Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. You can also listen to episodes on our church YouTube channel. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. Thanks for tuning in. And on today's broadcast of Hope Talks, we'll have part two of our panel discussion on the topic of mental health, and my co-host, Pastor Margaret Michael, will be one of the panelists, and the other two panelists are Ashley Link and Mark Sensabaugh, and also the moderator of our panel discussion is Dr. Brian Charette, and if you missed part one of our discussion on mental health, you can find that on our website, cotnaz.org. And then you click on the Watch Listen drop down on the top of the screen and click Hope Talks. And that will be on October 9th. So we pray that you enjoy today's broadcast. May God bless. I'm Brian. I'm here with Mark Sensible, Ashley Link, and Margaret Michael. We're talking about mental health and the believer. Margaret, one of the things that has been not explicit but clear in the discussion is that isolation is about the worst thing that you can do if you're dealing with anxiety, depression. And so I'm, as we talk, I'm picturing people listening, and I'm, I want to ask you about loneliness. I think loneliness is a pandemic. Um, the person, going off what Ashley said, the person who says, I've never been so lonely in my entire life. There's no one for me. What, would you, what do you think about the scourge of loneliness, and what do you say to encourage someone right now who would say, I've never been as lonely as I am right now? Well, we were made, obviously, we were made um, for relationship with God and with others. And there is, right now, um, there are folks that maybe haven't been back to church yet because they're not, um, through this pandemic, they found themselves in a place that they're not, they just haven't entered back in, and it's a place of loneliness and isolation, um, just one place in today's world. I would say that you have to find your people. Um, and my, my brain is just going to a conversation I had this morning with someone who was needing some help, and they've been alone, and now they're um, in a tough place, and they have no people. They have no one, and um, this is when I think about the early church um, and what the church is supposed to be today. Um, it is a place of community. It is a place where every person has a place um, in the body of Christ, as Ephesians four says, and that is the church is one place um, that is created for everyone to come and to be a part of and to find their people. Um, this is something that we see all of the time through Celebrate Recovery. Uh, people coming in, they're lonely. They've maybe had some things going on. They are now uh, maybe don't have some any close relationships. Maybe there's no close relationships that they have because of this place they find themselves in life. And uh, 
it's why the Celebrate Recovery, we're, we're a forever family, because it is that place of connection where you come in and you're welcomed in just like you are. And sometimes people feel like they can't share when they walk in the doors, right, of, of the church. And maybe they've really messed some things up with their family. And I say to them often, you know, you didn't get here overnight, and you're not going to get, it's not going to be better tomorrow. But just lean in here and engage the folks around you. And um, God works in that. I see that so often. Um, so find your family. Um, the church is one really good answer to that. And um, I think that as folks do that, they those listening, um, God will show them who the family is. Um, I remember when I did not have that family, and God spoke very clearly to me out of scripture that I learned as a little girl, um, the parable of the sower, and I, I realized I was stony ground in that moment, right, and I was not in a great place, and I was like, I've got to go to church, I've got to find a church family, and I've started thinking, and I realized I've been being invited to the church by three different people, and it was the same church all three people and as those listening I believe that God is just that faithful um, to help us find our people if we're willing to take that step out of loneliness and out of isolation thanks I, yes Mark just for thinking. those of you listening the way I the reason I knew Mark wanted to talk was because he actually raised his hand He's that proper and because, prim. Because with Brian, you raise your hand because he's a school please, teacher. Please, and, please And you speak. have to get his attention. Mark? I was just thinking the question you had posed to Margaret, just the idea that um, I was thinking about Genesis and the idea that Adam and Eve being naked and unashamed, and then after the fall, they felt a sense of shame, and so they hid themselves. Um, we... Uh, Satan sometimes, I guess in Revelation, Satan is referred to as the accuser of the brethren. And I believe that one of the tools of the enemy in trying to isolate us is if he can suggest things to us and we come into agreement with accusation he makes against us. So when Ashley referred earlier to uh, the notion in Scripture of taking thoughts captive— um, you know, if we don't recognize that we do live in a spiritual environment, we don't have to look for a demon behind every bush. But if we don't recognize we're in a spiritual environment and that our enemy who wants to still kill and destroy will attempt to isolate us, because in isolation, if we come into agreement with a lie, that lie is not being challenged potentially because there are not other voices around us that help to speak truth, to help speak life or to speak encouragement. So we can actually have a feeling, have a thought, um, believe that it's just my own thought and not take that thought captive or not resist it or think more about it. And we unsuspectingly come into agreement, even unknowingly, with accusation from the enemy. And because God will not override our will, he will respect your right to choose what you will believe. He will influence. 
He will encourage you. He will offer light. Um, but when we come into agreement, and again, the way I think the enemy accuses, he will accuse me to me. So he will tell me, I'm a loser at CR Group, and I, nobody else has had my experience. And they'll accept me if I show this part of me. But if I allow them to see that part of me, then they won't accept me. They will reject me. So the power of that accusation against my own heart is I fear vulnerability because in that vulnerability, you might reject me. And I don't want to risk that potential of being rejected. So so I think part of the, the danger of loneliness and isolation is we're more easily picked off by the enemy because we unknowingly can come into agreement with accusation and lies. He not only will accuse me to me, he'll accuse others to me. Well, Pastor Margaret, you know this about her. And if she sees this about you, she's just going to respond this way. So we can believe accusation of another that's not true. But again, there's the risk of vulnerability to will I allow myself to be known and seen? Because as long as I keep a facade up, you could tell me you love me, but my internal voice will say, you love the me I let you see. So it's almost like it not only keeps others out, it keeps me locked in so that even the expression of love from another, I'm unable to fully receive it. Because if you do see my nakedness, you do see my vulnerability, my warts, my shortcomings, and you do demonstrate love and acceptance, even in the face of that, it experientially starts to get through that wall that I believe, wow, could that be the love of Christ in you that's able to love and receive me, even when you see those things I would be so ashamed about myself. I'm going to ask uh, the three of you two closing questions, but before that I want to ask Ashley a question. Um, Earlier I asked a why question of Mark. I said, why is it as Christians we know the ending is happy, why do we fear? And he gave a very eloquent answer. Um, He talked about how knowledge really doesn't mean anything in terms of the way our brain functions. You can't overcome that with knowledge. What I want to ask you, Ashley, is for the person dealing with fear, depression, anxiety, is why a bad question? And if why is a bad question, why am I afraid, Lord? Why am I lonely? If why is a bad question, what's a good question that someone going through that should be asking? That's deep. Um, Yeah, I don't think... I could be wrong, and the pastors in the room correct me, please. But I don't feel like asking God why is a bad thing. I think it's when you take it a step further and you say, why are you allowing this to happen? Why aren't you with me? Because we know he's there with us. We know that he is helping us, guide us through this. But we also know that we're going to face difficulty and we're going to face trial. Like, life happens. Mm. You know, life comes and circumstances come around us and it's how we choose to respond in those moments um and so i think to say like to just cry out to him like i think he he wants to hear that from us because we are acknowledging his presence and saying like lord i believe help my unbelief right in those moments and so i think back to a time where i had 
lost a pretty uh, my aunt actually several years ago and i remember sitting on a porch swing with the song it is well with my soul mm. playing on repeat and yeah. just sobbing because my heart was broken but to find that place deep within me to say it's okay like you are still good um was a really like powerful place for me to be in that time in my life even and so i think like he is with us in those places when we are experiencing fear and anxiety and doubt. But do we go to him? Do we cling to him in those moments or do we push him away? And I, I think that's, that's the most profound place yeah. that we can be in is to say, what do we, what do we do with these yes. circumstances? All right. Well, I'm not, I'm just the moderator. So I'm not allowed to, I'm not an expert, but as you were thinking, I feel like the sense I got was there are two kinds of why in the Bible. There's David in the Psalms why that assumes bigness of God. And then there's Job why, which assumes smallness of God. So I think maybe why is an okay question, depending on what assumptions you make about about God, maybe. Margaret, do you have folks listening again? Margaret has now, we've established a culture in the room. Now Margaret has raised her hand. Margaret? Yes. Um, You know, as I think about how... Like, God wants us to come to him. And I was thinking about David and how David, when he would go to God, the first section of any psalm pretty much will have the questions and the frustrations. Right. And and by the end of that psalm, guess what's happening? He's praising God. Yep. And that's the beauty of a relationship, right, with the Lord, is being able to go. And, and even when we don't believe um, maybe that God is for us, like, you know, as David is really, you know, struggling and then all of a sudden there's a turn and there's a different message that's coming from him in the Psalms. And um, Camelot, some of you all in the room know Camelot, um, she said to me one time, she said, you know, it's okay to have a pity party as long as we invite God. You know, and, and that's what the Psalms sometimes remind me of. David is really struggling, but he invites God to the conversation. And that's such a lesson. The other thing in scripture, how many times does it tell us not to fear? 365 times, one for each day of the year. Like, and we look back and in any time that God is using someone greatly, there is fear. And Again, I don't want to give the devil any more credit than he deserves, but there is a battle, and we get to choose, right, who we listen to, like Mark was talking about. And so, yeah, I'm just grateful for um, the knowledge. As we sit here and talk, right, like knowledge isn't everything, but as we sit here and we talk, there's something that happens where there's understanding between us. And I think a lot of times folks are afraid to say anything. They're afraid to come and put what they have on the table, be it whether it's good or the enemy might say even what is good isn't good. And we don't put it out there. And when we do, we find out that there's, oh, I'm not the only one that struggles. Um, Yes, we need to take it to the Lord, but we also coming together and, and getting beyond that fear of, what will they say? And it has to be a safe place, right? Like we can't just go out and, and share everything we're struggling with with someone who 
whom we don't trust. It has to be our people, like Ashley said. But as long as the thoughts are banging back and forth in our between, you know, our ears and our um, just staying in our head, um, that is where the enemy wants to keep us, and that he has a heyday with us. Um, we have to have places to process so that we can move forward and out of the loneliness and into once we say it and someone goes, oh, I've dealt with that before. And we're like, really? You have dealt with that? And all of a sudden, the enemy loses a lot of ground. And that's what isolation is meant to do, is to keep him um, in charge of us. And I just one other thing that I want to share with you I had a, a situation where I, w- I was in a hard situation, and I was really frustrated with someone. And um, I remember going for a walk and just telling God everything, just being, he knows what's on my heart. Let's let him. You know. So I was just telling him how exactly how I felt about the situation, and maybe a little bit like David. And so... I get back to the house. I've walked about a mile, and I'm getting ready to walk up towards our house. And I was like, Lord, I've been talking to you. Like, I've shared everything, and I haven't heard anything from you. And he said this to me, have you forgiven them? And there is something about processing, whether it is with God or with people, that we can move forward from that place of pain that we're in. And that, I will never forget that. And that came from being willing to just put it out there to the Lord. And he'll be real honest with you. Was not the answer I was looking for, by the way. You know, I was wanting God to side with me. Um, Mm -hmm. But my mental health in the next conversation was much better than had I kept all of that in and just let it fester. Um, so if anyone's listening, I, that's something that has been powerful. That was early in my, um, as a believer, as a very young believer when that happened. And it really did change and help me have a way to deal with those things, knowing that God cares and God listens. You want to add more? Yeah, I was thinking as Pastor Margaret was sharing about her own emotions, this might be a beginning thought as opposed to concluding thought. So that'll mess your mind up a little bit, Brian. But um, I forgive you. Okay, thank I've you. already forgiven you. Uh, but what if what if our emotions are not right or wrong, good or bad? What if our emotions flag something needs attention? And if what what if what is moral is how we steward that emotion, what we do with that feeling? So early in my own journey, I was masterful at judging my feelings. I shouldn't feel this. I should be feeling that. But that only took the already difficult emotion and lathered a layer of shame and guilt on top of it. It did nothing to help me to grow. And I remember in human service uh, roles, you don't get paid. You get paid missionary salary as opposed to business Uh, positions and roles in our culture. And I remember early on being in a human service position and thinking, I'm going to be a pauper all my life if I continue to work in human service roles. And 
I recall one month I had more month left, but not more paycheck left. And I recall having this battle inside of me of anxiety of, God, your word says you're going to be my provider. But right now I've got a lot of month facing me and bills facing me, and I don't have leftover paycheck available to me. Um, And I recall in that time for one of the early times in my life that I didn't judge my feelings. Well, I should be believing. If I was a good believer, I would be having faith right now. But I recall in that particular experience saying to God, Lord, your word says you're going to be my provider. But I do feel anxiety right now, and I don't want to feel anxiety. But experientially, right now, it's hard for me to get my head around believing how is this going to work out. And I recall praying, Lord, if I've judged you as uh, stingy, if I've judged you as not available to me, if I've judged you in some of these ways, would you forgive me of that judgment? And would you open my eyes to know this part of who you say you are? And, And rather than judging my feelings, it actually opened the door to an honest dialogue with God that revealed to me the condition of some of my beliefs, even though my head knowledge knew scripture. Um, But it opened my eyes to experience him as the God who provides, the God who reveals to me his faithfulness to provide in times past, as well as the present So even that honesty that Margaret was talking about, that dialoguing or processing our emotion, I think as believers, we tend to be schooled with the idea that difficult emotions are indication of sin or a lack of belief, as opposed to what if we were identifying our feelings and trying to make wholesome choices about what we do with that. It could flag an area of unbelief, but it's not always Mm. the case. And that honesty of, God, open my eyes to see, grow me in the way that you want to grow me, that our emotions are not our enemy. They're a tool that God wants to shape and develop, but we have to come to him to ask him for understanding of what he would say to us. Even that idea of, Lord, I've maybe come into agreement with these beliefs that are not true. Would you forgive me? And what is it you would say to me, Holy Spirit, if you want to bring that thought to death or that uh, perception that's not life-giving, Holy Spirit, what would you give me in this place? And as Margaret just demonstrated, that willingness to hear, that willingness to listen, that willingness to make room, that he would actually speak to our hearts and that that becomes a part of our experiential knowledge, that right prefrontal cortex, where we have a memory of God connecting with us when we were in that place of uncertainty. Well, this has been great. We have to close. So I'm going to ask two final questions, and they have to be lightning round questions. So this is one-sentence answers, okay? Everybody get ready. Gird yourselves, as it were. I'll give you them both at the same time, and then we'll go around one at a time and answer the first one and the other. Um, we talked about this some, but I'd like to, in a sentence, what's the greatest misconception Christians tend to have about Christians and mental health? You can repeat what you've already said if you want to, but what what's the number one misconception that Christians have about mental health? That's the first lightning round question. And then the second one will be fill in the blank. If there's one thing and only one thing I want you to remember about Christianity and mental health, it's this. 
So we'll take the first question. Each of you will answer it in light and round. Then we'll take the second one. So let's start. Mark, Ashley, Margaret, greatest misconception about Christianity and mental health. The belief that if we are um, strong believers, that we will not suffer difficulty in this world. That if difficulty comes, it must be because I'm not doing something right or that I've sinned or that I'm not being blessed because I'm in disobedience. So I think that's that showed up in Job, and I think it still has history today. Okay. Ashley, greatest misconception people have about Christianity and mental health? That it only happens to them, those people, that it won't happen to me, that I, that something must be wrong with them, um, to kind of piggyback on Mark, that it's, it's all of us. Um, it's just a matter of, of how we battle through, how, how we fight through those situations. Margaret, greatest misconception? Um, that if you had enough faith, I think the greatest um, misconception is that, like we we have things that we struggle with um, internally, uh, but there's like Ashley said, every person like we all have our struggles. Um, we all have, uh, as in Scripture with um, the Apostle Paul, he had a thorn in the flesh, right? And we all have weak planks. Um, it's we don't all have the same weak plank, right? But we all have them. And for that person, that believer that does not struggle with anxiety, um, but maybe has another type of a struggle, just because it's different doesn't mean it's not real. Sure. All right, second final lightning round question, fill in the blank. If there's one thing I want you to remember about Christians and mental health, it's Mark? It would be an admonition to suffer well. And in order to suffer well, I would say when we suffer, which we will in this world, that we we suffer relationally. We suffer by connecting with God and connecting with others because isolation in suffering often equals trauma. And trauma is actually reduced when we feel relationally connected. Ashley, one thing I want you to remember about Christianity and mental health is... You are not alone. That there is a God who loves you, who sees you, who knows you intimately. He forms you. Um, That he is always there with you. Find your people. Find your person. But to know that through it all... There is someone, there is hope. Thanks to Mark Sensible. Thanks to Ashley Link. Thanks to Pastor Margaret Michael. Margaret, you answer the question and then close us. Fill in the blank. One thing I want you to remember about Christianity and mental health is blank and then wrap us up. There's a scripture in um, Isaiah that talks about God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and he sees us. However, it says it's, he sees us like grasshoppers, which is a little disconcerting. But I. Over the years, that has so confounded me. And one day, it just became so crystal clear that as much as he sees the grasshoppers and how they move, how much more he sees his children, that he knows where we are, that um, he sent Jesus as um, a beautiful 
picture of compassion, the compassion of God. Like we see God in, in Christ as he walked the earth and, and how much he cared. And that is our reality today. I, I think of Mary and Martha were so frustrated and upset and were not in a good headspace, right? And Jesus, why were you not here sooner? And Jesus wept. The shortest scripture in the Bible, the shortest verse. Um, and that is the very same way he feels when he sees us and we hurt. I would say today, he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And that is why it is so important um, as believers that we take these things of course first to him and he will be faithful with those um, as we take them to him and we find that safe place that place that we can become fully human um, where we can engage folks and be who we are and find people that will walk that walk with you um Will it be perfect? No, because none of us are perfect, right? But as much as we enter in and want people to understand us, it is so important that we understand those around us too and the struggles that they have. So thank you all for being here today. It's been a pleasure to have you. Grayson has been so great to be here and to make sure that this gets recorded. Thank you, Grayson. And um, thank you, Brian, Mark, and Ashley for being here um, I pray today that as you have listened to Hope Talks, it has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Hope Talks. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe for all the updates and latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg or Rockingham County area, We invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.